Welcome to the Youth Sports Parenting Tribe. I'm your host, Hernan Chosa, former tennis player and father of two boys involved in the sport. What can you find here? Thought leaders, psychologists, authors, former athletes, coaches, agents and others share that knowledge and wisdom to help us become super parents. As Jim Rome used to say, for things to change, we have to change. Welcome to the tribe. Today we have J.P. Netburn. He's a best-selling author, leadership coach, and the founder of TOC Culture Consulting, a leading global sports consulting and leadership coaching business. He has a proven track record of guiding leaders at prestigious institutions such as Stanford, Harvard, and PwC. He also hosts the Coaching Culture Podcast, and recently published the Sports Parent Solution book. He resides in Ireland with his wife and their three children. JP, welcome to hey, the tribe. Really good to be here. I'm excited for the conversation around just you know, culture and sports parents and just any, anything that we can uh, sink our teeth into. Okay, yeah, there's a story behind every guest. I was in social media in LinkedIn And I come up with your book. And, and only author has a space at the tribe. So I send a direct message to you and you say yes right away. So I start, um, I download the book and I start reading it. And I realized that it wasn't for parents and it was for coaches. And that's a great approach because uh, I have two kids that play tennis and I'm a former tennis player. So when I have to deal with the coaches, I have different approaches Sometimes they were aware of my knowledge and they accept my, my, my things and others simply reject them. So uh, having you on board with this topic is amazing. Can you share with the audience your path as a coach and your transformation and all the things that you start talking at the beginning of the book? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of give a brief overview and you can kind of dive wherever it most applies to your audience. Uh, you know, I've, Basketball was my sport primarily growing up, and I got to play up to the Division I level in the States. And then I quickly got into coaching internationally, starting in Ireland, spent a little time in Lithuania, and then I eventually moved back to the States to coach. Coached primarily youth high school level, but I also coached a little bit of professional and collegiate. And I had some success, won a college national title in Ireland, and coached the pro level in Ireland. And so, yeah, just had some great experiences in coaching. I think at one stage in my journey, I was really struggling with the culture of my team. And I recognized I needed to make it, you know, be more intentional about building culture. And so I started to do things to build better relationships and connect with athletes and really kind of set standards and within our program those things really struggled. You know, my efforts were not always very successful and I kind of really got really frustrated to the point that I eventually essentially hired a leadership coach to work with me in building the culture of my team. And then I realized it was actually also to work on myself and that I had to make some changes as a coach that I was like the first, the change had to start with me. And so I'll go on this real incredible journey as a, as a leader focusing on myself. I started reading a book, a week, getting leadership coaching. I started being vulnerable with my players. 
I started leaning into conversations where I was sharing them about things that I was going to be, work to be better as a leader myself. And then they were way more responsive to those efforts that I was making and initiatives I was taking to get the culture right in our team. And it just was an incredible journey to, to do that. And so I started writing about that experience, the challenges with it, but also what was happening in our, my process. And that led to, you know, me starting a podcast, the Coaching Culture Podcast, almost seven years ago. And then people wanting to continue to have conversations with me. And so you know, on one-on-one basis, and then I got my leadership coaching certification. And I've been doing that. I've been a certified leadership coach and also a, what I would call a culture consultant. So the culture consulting piece is we're putting systems in place to address team culture we don't just come in with like fixes. It's about really paying attention to the system so we can get upstream and create less issues solve, you know, from, from coming up, but also when things do come up and adversity strikes, the team is ready. The athletes are ready to, to deal with that adversity. And on the other side of the leadership coaching aspect is really just walking with leaders on their journey, helping them to take different perspectives not just be caught up into the emotions and the stress and the pressures of coaching and helping them to show up as their best self. So been doing that for the last seven years. Yeah, I love that approach. And you say something very important because you were a coach and you hire one. So we think that we do everything okay. And you have you were humble enough to hire someone to teach you how to go to, to, to the right way. So we think that all the mistakes are outside of ourselves and you start growing from inside. So regarding the writing of the book, can you share before jumping into the book your writing process? Because I like to dig when, when an author came here, how is your writing process? Because maybe you have a method, you have something behind all because you published three books in four years. That's a lot. Yeah, so... My process is I'm first off learning a lot through reading and podcast interviews and through my coaching experiences and you know, working with coaches. So those are three ways that I'm taking a lot of information in. So when I read a book, I underline key points, then I type it into Evernote, which is my note-taking resource. That process, And then I typically will write an article or I might even do a podcast episode where me and my co-host just talk about that a few topics that resonated or that book might lead me to doing more research on a certain area. You know, that's one aspect, you know, I've got a lot of different certifications over the years, leadership coaching, facilitation, personality assessments, uh, neuroscience, you know, brain response, those types of things. I've also just been in the space where I get to have these really amazing interviews with guests, guests that, are great coaches, are great leaders, great thinkers, you know, just New York Times bestsellers. If I read something, I like it. I usually reach that person and want to connect with them and interview them so I can learn from them. And then I get to go and try things out with my team or the teams that I work with, the coaches I work with, and we implement stuff, we try things out, we learn. So my process is really about collecting stories, personal stories of coaches I've worked with, stories of other coaches or leaders that I know, As, and collecting those as well as figuring out all these great things. There's so much information and content around leadership and culture. How can I make this almost seamless for coaches to apply? Because most coaches want to be coaching and they don't want to have to 
you have to spend a lot of time reading and doing all this stuff. And then also implementation, like coaches have other, oftentimes other professions, other jobs. So it's trying to provide them with things that are almost somewhat plug and play, but then can be very contextualized to their system, to their context. So there's a bit of like giving people tools and strategy. So over time, my books, I have to come up with stories and ideas, but it's also how do we package those? And that's what my culture system book's about. And Sports Parent Solution is a framework that makes sense for coaches and is really easy to take and apply. So once I've got that down, I'm building out outlines. Sometimes they take a couple of years to build it out an outline. And then I just kind of dive into the writing. I write, get up every morning, 5 a.m., 7, and then pro, you know a.m. And then once I get the kids off of school, it's back into writing. Write, 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 write. You know, and during that process, I'm also sending off chapters to other coaches to get their feedback, clients of mine, and they give me feedback on how how's this resonate? Is this easily implementable? Story good. And then after I've gotten those chapters and they've been reviewed for content, then I go to my writing team, which is my editor, my copywriter, my proofreader. They, but they don't really know much about coaching, right? Or culture or leadership. They know about writing. So I, I always put it through a review process of, college, youth, high school coaches, different sports. I want everyone to have a different, have a say in, is this going to resonate with coaches? Yeah, I want to share your writing process because there's a system behind it because you collect information, then you kind of summarize it, then get some feedback and then write it again. And then the editing process so is a whole system that is working. I'm going to your book. There's one piece of advice that I resonate with with all the book, but there's one thing that if I had it maybe 15 years ago, it will get me away from many problems. And it's the 24-hour rule. I love that. Mm. Can you share it? Yeah, there's. I think it's, it's sometimes common that you need to have 24 hours before a parent can reach out to a coach. And a lot of times mm. we communicate this in the sense of like, don't talk to me, you know, you don't have like this right to talk to me within 24 hours until you can cool off. But like as a coach, I needed that 24 hours as well too. And so I would just communicate to parents and say, hey, if you have an issue, if it's not life or death, it's not an emergency, let's give it all 24 hours for all of us to cool down after a hard loss or tough situation. Um, if possible, if this can wait, we're going to give that time, self some time. That allows us all to get have a better chance of gaining better perspective and not coming in there so hot. And I, I encourage parents to do that, you know, wait, wait 24 hours to send an email. I think there's been a lot of times in my earlier coaching career and as a young man where I would fire off emails late at night and the next morning going, Ooh, I wish I didn't send it like that. Or I wish I hadn't sent that. So it's just creating space and I think that's such a, it's a rule in a lot of, with a lot of my coaches is sometimes we feel like we have to address this behavior or this mistake right here, right now. And the athlete's not in the, the right headspace or I'm not in the right headspace as a coach to address it with the athlete. So it's probably the same as, way as a parent. So you can even just let people know, like with your kids, like, Hey, we're going to talk about this later. Like, let's just, let's focus on this tomorrow. Let's just focus on having a good rest of the day or whatever it is that we need to do. Right. So I think it's a good rule in life just to give things space. Yeah. You mentioned one thing that I was going to say that it also applies for parents and kids, because you, you also mentioned in the book that parents have more influence in the kids than coaches and, and creating that gap 
maybe improve the relationship also. Yes, absolutely. The, the, those, the relationship piece is just foundational to any success. Culturally, we've got to be building those relationships, coaches and, and as parents, if we can build relationships with the coaches, we can actually have more influence on the coaches when we do need to give feedback on certain things that we're seeing. Hmm. And everything happens by way of any transformation, anything significant in life. It happens by way of relationship. Yeah. I, I mentioned three parts of, of maybe culture or, or, or teams that are results, retention, and development. And which is more important or, or we have to balance the three to improve? Yeah, results, retention, and development within the experience. I think when you're looking at those things, what it depends on your context, right? And so I'm like helping with my daughter's team and you know, we're really trying to focus on it's under eights, so it's really not as so much about the results at that age. But as you get more competitive, their experience and retention does does come down to results. If you're just losing all the time and you're not getting results as far as improvement, then then you're gonna struggle. So I th I think the thing that I see coaches and clubs and you know sporting communities fail at is they are not communicating the with each other what phase they're in and they're not communicating to then to the parents so hey at these age groups the priority is this and this we want to do all three things but if we have to choose between development and results we're going to choose development right and, and but here development is actually you know we have to have an emphasis on as well like certain results and stuff like sorry retention you know so it, it just i think we got to get clear as clubs and coaches ourselves and then we have to communicate that really transparently to players and athletes and their parents yeah and anyway sometimes or, or maybe most of the time results helps development and helps retention and helps all the things and maybe you can find a person say no we we are we are Uh, aware of, of development, but you, you never win. So you're not getting retention, yeah. you know? A absolutely. It, it, it's, it's one of those things. And I, I really do think it's age dependent. It's community dependent. It's culturally dependent, right? I think sometimes coaches that take over certain teams or they're working with a certain athlete, they may need to actually fight for a few wins early on, you know, make sure that they're trying to get a few results so they can get a bit of buy-in, right? From, from the group, if possible. Like I've seen that, you know, where it's like, okay, now we can step back and focus a little bit more on development. But, you know, it's just, you really want to get that buy-in, you know, from people. So you got to be a, pay, be attentive to that. But you also got to know what you're about. If you're starting a team or you're coaching a team here, it's like, why do you coach? You know, what's important to you? And it's like, well, hey, I'm all about development here. I'm running in under 10s or I'm a tennis coach for this age group and we're about development. When some parents are like, well, we want to, be at these tournaments. We want to compete here. And it's like, well, that's not what we're about. So if you want someone that's going to be really about making your kid number one in the world or number one in our state or whatever it is, like if that's your focus, then, then you probably should find someplace else. So you got to know your context, but you also got to know who you are. Yeah. And I found something very interesting because you share that the mission of the coach is to reconnect kids with their parents. And that's outstanding because most of the coach, the coaches try to, co to build the connection themselves with the kids, but not parents with the kids. 
Yeah. It's something profound I never really realized until probably the last few years, which is that we as coaches, we have this sport, and sport can bring families together, and sport can push them apart. And what we're seeing, especially as kids move into more high-performance sport or competitive sport, not even high-performance, but just competitive sport, they hit those teenage years that we get a lot of negative parent behaviors from parents uh, in that environment, or maybe they're not even negative. It's just life events, teenage years, adolescence creates a gap in that relationship. And the amount of times <clears throat> that I've talked to a parent as a coach and, and they have an issue and then I talk to the child and they're like, Oh, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, like there's just like a, like they're, they barely talk. All they just text the occasional time. And so it's just like, oh, wow. So I've noticed this gap that exists between parents and athletes. And then with some of the stuff that we were doing to engage parents that I was doing with some of my clients, the, the activities, those types of things, like one of the, you know, obviously parents were more bought in, parents were more supportive of the team culture, but this extra byproduct was parents are getting closer to their own children. Like relationships are going stronger. And they're becoming more healthier. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was not even what, what we were set out to do here. Like I, I would not have believed that I had that type of impact, but we can. It's, it's really fascinating and it's really powerful to have a parent. I mean, one time I did a workshop with a coach and all these athletes and we brought the parents in and they were part of a parent practice experience event. I had a father come up to me and say, man, that was awesome. That was one of the best times. I've had with my son in years around sports. And he says, honestly, sports have just pushed us further apart. Yeah, you said great stories in the book. And maybe your, your main mission is to, to shift coaches' mindset about how to approach parents. And you perform certain activities like the first meeting. And there's one thing that I, I like the most is how you, you communicate the lineup. How was back then and how it is now when you have a team, how you communicate the lineup because that's a big thing. Yeah, the lineup going into the match. Yeah. I think years ago, I would have communicated the lineup, you know, as far as like who's playing today by just kind of coming in and saying, all right, here we go. You're not starting today. You're starting. You're. I would not even communicate to players that I didn't expect to play at all. And so that creates a lot of anxiety for the athlete you know, one of our greatest causes of anxiety and stress in life is fear of the unknown or uncertainty. So it's really dumb to think that and expect players to be able just to handle that, right? Like just to accept that, right? Like, and I think for often it's just like, hey, accept your role. What is my role? You know, and, and I think that's so much of work with my clients is like biggest feedback from parents and athletes is we, they don't know their role. And, and the coach felt like they communicated it, but they clearly hadn't. Because the feedback was saying that. So now we, we give that, we say 24 hours plus in advance. I have to have communicated what your role's at to you. I need to be communicating it regularly and consistently. We actually use Google Form surveys to pull players to see how much minutes they might think they're playing or what, they, what their expectations are. And that way we can have conversations with the ones that are maybe misaligned as far as expectations. So it's really trying to get in front of that very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I imagine something that's very interesting because you don't give advice to parents. 
you or get a, another person to get the advice or gave them some information, some books to read? And what are the authors that you, do you recommend to parents to read and to get uh, into the topic and into the field, you know? Yeah, what, sorry, your question is what, what do I think parents, what are some other things I recommend for parents to, to, to read and get into? Yeah, because you mentioned a couple of a couple of authors that you give the parents to read, and it's important to have more information. And as you don't give the advice to them directly, say, okay, read this, read that. What kind of authors that you recommend them to read? Yeah, I think a lot of times I'm recommending Dr. Tim Elmore. I think he's just really phenomenal in his his work with you know young people today, and so I think that gives parents some good advice. I love books that influence my coaching. Right, so positive discipline is a book by Dr. Jane Nelson that's around discipline in the classroom and in the home. It's not for coaches technically, but her work and her work in psychology is really influential in how I work with coaches to discipline and enforce consequences and standards in their program. And so, I think it's a great book to recommend because it gives parents insight into how I am going to discipline but also might help them with their own discipline with athletes and stuff. So Dr. Jay Nelson is phenomenal. Tim Elmore is really, really solid. I also think that we need to shine a light or help parents to see what's going on with the mental health crisis in this world. And so a book like by Kate Fagan, What Made Many Run, is a phenomenal book that is a very sad story of a college athlete that takes her life and just – you know, some of the highlights the dangers around social media and pressures to win and pressures to be perfect and stuff like that. So, uh, those would be some of my favorite recommendations. Yeah, great recommendations. And you mentioned something that uh, a guy named Abrasov wrote a letter to parents so they get communicate with them, and that got a great outcome because that lead to a great relationship between parent and child with an emotional story. Can you share that, that story? Yeah, Captain please? Mike Abershoff, I mean, it's a really amazing story, which he, you know, he talks about on my podcast, but he was a captain of the USS Benfold in the late 90s. And in, in a year, under two years, like a year and a half, he took it from the worst ship in the US Navy to the best ship. He did a lot of amazing things, and I've written about him in both my books, The Culture System and The Sports Parent Solution. But the story you're referencing, The Sports Parent Solution, is one of the things that he does is he engages parents in two ways. One is whenever a sailor comes aboard the ship, a new sailor, part of their onboarding thing is they had, within the first hour, they called home. So this was back in the late 90s, and, and people didn't have cell phones. So think about that, like, my son's going off to war or going off to the ship. It's like, did he get there safely? Like we're just paying attention to the concern of a parent, right? From day one, from hour one, I think it was profound. And then the other thing he would do is he had three, 310 plus over 310 sailors on his ship. And when sailors did things well, he didn't just affirm that sailor and let them know they did a great job with, you know, some sort of reward or, or a note. He'd also write a letter to parents and, one story that he shared with me was he wrote a letter to two parents of one sailor because the parents were divorced. So it required him to write two letters. And the one dad had never told his son ever in life that he was proud of him. The story goes, and this dad gets this letter from Abershoff, the calf of the ship, saying how proud he should be of his son because his son did something great on the ship. And he's just doing a great job. 
And so the father calls his son and tells his son he's just so proud of him. And the sailor then, after that call with his dad, goes and is crying to Captain Abershoff. He's like, thank you. My, my dad's never told me he's been proud of me in my life. And the, the cool thing is I've taken that. I was inspired. And so now whenever one of my clients meets with an athlete and they have a conversation and they give them some sort of affirmation or it's a conversation around their development, is those clients, I my, they, my clients now send a text, an email, make a phone call, or they seek that parent out at an event like a game and they just offer affirmation to say, hey, thanks for allowing me to coach your son or thanks for allowing me to coach your daughter. This is what I really enjoy about coaching about them or, hey, this I'm concerned about these things. So it's not always positive. I think it's positive to reach out about concerns. You know, It might be a concern. It might have a bit of a negative light. There might be some sort of issue around discipline or behavior, but we typically try to really just have those coaches get into the habit of reaching out, just like Abershoff had the habit of just writing letters to parents of his sailors. Yeah, that's a great story. And, and, and sports tend to separate the kids from the parents. And I'm going to, to your personal life. You had three kids. And how are you you're coaching performance or development or your personal development uh, impacted your relationship with your kids? You know, it's it's one of the most amazing things that I experienced when I had that change in my coaching was that I became a much better teacher. I used to be an English teacher, and physical education teacher before I became a leadership coach. And I think I started having kids and I kind of initially, if I was honest with you, forgot to apply all these things when it comes to culture and leadership to my own home. And then a few years ago, I really wasn't necessarily feeling like I was moving at the rate I wanted to as a father and in our family culture, not that it was negative, but I'm really intentional in how I help people build a team culture. I think I've just taken and applied a lot of the intentionality and, and try to be more intentional as, as a parent. And when it comes to the sports and how we walk with them in that journey, but also just how we run our home. Like we talk about weekly leadership meetings uh, in teams. Well, we have a weekly family meeting every week where we start with our eight-year-old and six-year-old. Our, our three-year-old does not participate yet, but like it's a, we sit down and we, we, we start, we celebrate each other. We, we offer praise and then we talk about issues that people had. Everyone gets to bring an issue to the table and then we talk about solutions. So, I mean, I've, I've really tried to take a systems approach to how I develop our family here and really work on so many of the, how I'm interacting with my kids. You know, it's all ties back to so much of the stuff that I've learned in coaching. So it, it, the beautiful thing about this coach journey, if you really work hard at it, is it's not like you're just focused on being a better coach. You, everything you're learning is applying to all aspects of your life and it's going to help you be a better spouse, a better parent, better friend, if, if you make the effort. Yeah, it looks like we have to start for ourselves. That's the, the, the starting point. And then the other thing starts to fall. Yeah, that's a great, great story. And, and before our last, our last question, where can people find you in social media? How can people contact you and buy your books? Where are the main links for, for you in business? Yes, the best place is just to go straight to my website, tocculture.com, tocculture.com. There you can find links to the books, which are on Amazon, available internationally, as well as Apple Books and Audible for listening as well as I know Apple has audiobooks as well they're available there so 
If you want to catch the books there, I have an online course at my website that's about coach education, about transformational coaching and culture building. So that's really a self-paced course. A lot of coaches come on and they purchase individually and a lot of organizations actually mandated across to have all their staff, you know, get a, there's three levels of it. So they're getting levels that are appropriate for their context. So, you know, people can reach out to me through there if they're interested in one-on-one coaching, more books, the online courses, that type of stuff. My email is also JP Nurbin, N-E-R-B-U-N at tocculture.com, Instagram's at tocculture and Twitter's at JP Nurbin. Yeah, I got one, one more b- b- before the last one. You have online courses and books What would you recommend? Because I have both. I have some personal opinion about uh, online course and book that are for different situations. What is your, your, your point of view? Yeah, I think some people do better with one or the other. Like I think I'm really intentional in how I read a book. The thing about the online course is it goes a little bit more in depth into some of my frameworks. It also provides resources, digital resources for you to help you run team meetings help digital resources to help you put together your own leadership philosophy. There's a lot of stuff with it. If you really, if you're one of those people that read a book and then you have a hard time applying it, it's like go to the online course because it's going to walk you through and it's going to really force you to do the activities. So also if you're in an organization, you could spend, spend, you know, buy a a book for every coach at, you know, whatever, 20 bucks a book, or you could go and spend a little bit more on the course, you know, up to 40, $50 for, you know, to train all your coaches in this and you're going to know that they've done it because they're going to be able to turn that certificate in there. So I think there's a level of accountability. I mean, I think at the end of the day, whether you do a book or you do an online course, you know, it, it's there still has to be on the individual to take responsibility. And not everybody has the resources to, to invest in leadership coaching or someone's walking with you. But if you do, that's a really powerful, I mean, the most powerful for me in my experience and the clients I work with. That's the most profound growth opportunity that that I've had. But I, I think it depends on your context and, and, and who you are as an individual. Yes, I see that the online course like like more a, a training tool that you have to do it and you can do it every day. And it's more ingrained in the person. The book, the book maybe you take it and then you leave it. The course is just for repetition. I, and I love that. It's a, it's a great tool for, for preparing in certain topics. And, and my last question is, who is... JP Nepal. Mm. That's a great question. And the th- beautiful thing about that is there's, you know, I, th- I think a lot of times as leaders were told, you know, you got to first know who you are. And so I oftentimes I'm at, you're trying to answer that question of who am I? And I like to just say, who am I today? And who am I becoming? Comma, who am I today? And who am I becoming? Because we need to see ourselves and our identity is very fluid. And so, Yeah, I'm a author, coach, consultant, father, husband. Those are identities of me. But I really kind of go back to what's most important. Like in the, the day, like there's, I could, my books could flop. I could lose my business. You know, gosh, you could lose your family. I mean, the worst things can happen. But you know what you, what you do have ownership is who are you working to become? And so I go back to my core values of love, curiosity, gratitude, and discipline. And so I'm a person that is continuous, consistently working and learning and growing to become more loving, right? Becoming more, more grateful, becoming more disciplined, right? Those are things that I'm constantly working at. So I go back to when, who am I? 
I'm that's that's that comes to back to my very core, right? And there's also these other identities that I do have within that and how I show up. I, I, I love that statement, who am I becoming? And that's a very good question for all our listeners to think about it. Thank you, JP. You're amazing. You are doing a great contribution for coaches and for parents. And thanks for this conversation at the tribe. Absolutely. Really appreciate the opportunity. And, and that was a great last question. I appreciated that one as well. Thank you, JP. What a great guest we had today. Unique content. If you like it, resonate with it, or find information in this episode valuable, please leave a review or share it with a friend. See you in the next episode.